Hey guys, this is Dr. Kim from It's Like This Podcast. Thank you so much for coming. And I have an episode for you because a lot of the parents who come to me ask, okay, but my kids are acting inappropriately. So what do I do about that? You know, how do I protect their sense of worth and self-esteem? But how do I really address the bad behaviors? And I'm going to be referring to the situation that I shared in the episode, how do our kids drive us crazy and me sharing my hashtag parenting fails when my older kid, you know, didn't like that younger kid didn't want to play with him in a certain way and he ended up punching him and we all had a meltdown together. So I shared that in that episode. I hope you listen to it, but I'll be piggybacking from that incident that I described. And I'm also going to do a mashup with the concept of cognitive triad which is something that I mentioned long, long time ago um, in the episode, How Strong Is Your Mind? So I'm going to be bringing two episodes together and really bring it home to you how to practically discipline your children when they're acting out or hurting you or other people so that they feel confident and safe so everybody can be on the same team and move forward together. So I hope that you're excited Let's get to the episode. So in the last episode, I was kind of sharing the incident that I had. The older kid, he suggested, hey, why don't you do this? And the younger brother said, no, I don't want to. And the older brother got really upset and he hit the younger brother. Okay. Now I could just stop here and just judge the behavior, you know, and just yell or give him time out, you know, just for hitting his brother because that's legitimately hurtful and inappropriate, right? But let's just say that this time I had better sense of judgment and take a different approach. And this is a different approach that I want to kind of role play with you to kind of, you know, maybe get some ideas in your head of how you can approach with your kids or even yourself. So conversation goes like this, you know, everybody's time out, you know, everybody stop crying. I apologize to both kids for acting out, you know, myself, right? And I have some alone private time with the older one, okay? So conversations goes like this. Me. Hey, what made you hit your brother? Him. Because I wanted to play rock band with him. Me. So what did you want to do with him? Him. I wanted to play the drums and him to the guitar. Now time out, okay? Here we're exploring the thoughts and intentions behind the behavior If you kind of go back to the cognitive triad, right, behavior, emotions, and thoughts, and they're a triangle, and they all are related. So I will always want to recognize intention before all the chaos happens. I want to figure that out. So I start to investigate by asking who, what, when, where, and why questions, okay? What did you want, you know? What did you want to do with him? What did you want him to do, right? He had a specific plan a play with his brother. And maybe he thought it would be fun for both him and his brother. Now, brother wanting to play with his brother. Is this intention bad? Is this something to quench the life out of? Or is this something that I want to protect? And I don't know about you, but I want to protect this. I want him to continue want continue to want to play with his brother. So this gets a pass from me. Okay? Now time in. Let's go back in. Me. So when he didn't want to do the guitar with you, how did you feel? Him. Bad. Me. 
It made you upset that he didn't want to join you in this great idea that you had for both you and him. Him. Yes. Me. You wanted to play with him, but he didn't want to, so it hurt your feelings. Him. Yes. Me. I'm so sorry that you intended to play with him, but didn't go your way. I get upset too if I had a plan with your dad and he doesn't want to do it. So I definitely understand, and that feeling is okay. So this enters the understanding, investigating the emotions behind, right behind hitting him, right? So despite his benign intentions, situation didn't pan out, and he got really frustrated. You know, especially when he meant well to want to play with his brother, and also got hurt that his younger brother didn't want to play with him. So here I empathize that there are many, many times that I had specific plans and got hurt when it didn't go my way. And planning is not bad, right? But hurting others when plans don't go your way is not helpful. It's hurtful. Little asterisk here. Now I know my son. I know that he's very detailed and very specific in his plans. He does not like it when what he pictured doesn't exactly pan out. But knowing your kid can be a double-edged sword. You can choose to protect his character and how he is, or you can choose to attack it. I could judge his character and say, "You're such a control freak," or "You're so bossy." Why are you always telling people what to do? But then I'm bringing shame to who he is. Just because he's detail-oriented and planning doesn't mean that he's control freak and bossy. Ouch! I definitely want to avoid that. Or I could shame his emotions. Say, "Why were you? Why did you get mad? You know, you can't respect what other people want to do." Okay. But Is the emotions of frustration and getting hurt bad in itself? Is he allowed to feel frustrated or hurt? Don't we get frustrated and hurt? And isn't that okay? How many times did you want to do something nice and it didn't pan out that way? You get frustrated, right? And is that wrong? I don't think so. In my book, so for me, this gets a pass. It is healthy to acknowledge that we get mad and sad, and once we acknowledge our emotions. We know better what to do with it, right? So here, I'm creating a safe and accepting place for him to feel his emotions and express his emotions, and also protect his intention that his intentions were good. How I'm accomplishing that is I'm mirroring his emotion and I'm teasing out and describing, "Oh, you felt this way because you meant this, and it didn't go your way," because he's too young to string the word together himself. Okay, and I'm empathizing that I felt that way too before in my relationships, but I would need to address how we can respect what other people want too. Okay, so time in. Let's go back in. Me, now I understand that you wanted to be a good brother and play with your younger brother, and you had a very specific and cool idea, and this is good. Do you understand that? You're a good older brother for wanting to play with your brother. Him, yes, me. When your brother didn't want to play with you in this way, you got mad and sad. And this is okay. Do you understand that it's okay to be mad and sad? Him, yes, me. But it is not okay to hit because he doesn't want to do what you want him to do. He can want other ways that he wants to play, and he can say no. Do you understand that? Him, yes. 
Here, after making sure that there's no shame in what he wanted to do and what he felt, we now enter the stage of setting boundaries and troubleshooting. And it is important and crucial to know that effective troubleshooting and setting boundaries only happens when the child feels safe and protected. If not, it slips into parent-pleasing and performing with a very low sense of self-worth. Because children are smart. They know that they need to please the parent to survive. And sometimes they're so smart that they're like, they say that I say that they have Jesus answers, like in a Bible study, you know, all the right answers, just like Jesus, 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 right? So kids are smart and they'll just say the right answers. And when I catch my kids doing this to me, like they're not really understanding what I'm trying to hit home at and they're just saying all the right answers. When I hear that, I actually go back and reemphasize that it's okay to want to be a good brother in your own way. And and you're really, really angry and hurt, you know, and that's okay. And I re-emphasize that for him to know that that's not what's bad. So here, after they feel safe and protected, I'm setting boundaries for the younger brother that he has rights to agree or disagree with your plan, but also protecting the older brother. You don't have to forfeit your plans or emotions. You're a good brother for wanting to do certain things with your younger brother, but there has to be another way, right? There has to be other options, okay? Me, hmm, so you wanted to play rock band with your brother and your brother says no and you feel hurt and mad, but we cannot hit anymore. So what can we do? Him, I don't know. Me, do you think a hug might help? Him, maybe, yeah. Me, or asking me to help? Him, yeah. Me, so how about next time we feel mad and sad, instead of hitting, we ask for a hug or help from mommy? Him, uh, okay. Me, I know you're a great boy. You wanted to play with your brother, and I'm proud of you for that. But let's try to slow down and ask for help before you want to hit, okay? Him, okay. So options to ask for a hug or ask for help are some things that kids and I already discussed many, many times before this situation. And it's actually really helpful to kind of like have these regular conversations of what to do when you're mad and sad, you know, when things are calm, you know, it's a better discussion and conversation that way. But debriefing after situations occur is when these ideas and options are applied in real life with really big situations and big emotions. So this comes a point of reminder for the kids. Oh, these are the times when I can actually do the options that I talk with mom. And believe me, I wish hitting each other would stop after one session of debriefing. But it takes many, 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 many meaningful conversations with the kids over the years. Okay. But things are going to get better. So debriefing is also a session to celebrate growth. So a perfect example is one day another fight happened when younger brother made made the older brother so mad, like got in his space, teased him, etc. And older brother tried to hold back his anger for a few seconds. I saw him really upset and he was trying not to hit. But despite his best attempt, he ended up punching his younger brother again. But when we debriefed this time, you know, I said the same kind of approach as I did in the script before. But this time, I recognized and praised his intention and discipline, however short, to prevent hitting. So, so I said, you know what? I saw you holding back your fist and you wait a few seconds and he was not stopping. So you punched him anyways. But I saw you wait. And that was really good. 
So now he knows what was really good and will do that more often. So this is when all the work that you put in in between situations is going to hit real. It's going to hit home for the kids. And this is the practical part, you know, practice part. So now I'm going to give you the most effective and powerful bonus point. Okay? Time in. Let's go back to the script. Me. Hey, can I share something with you? Him. What? Me. When I was young like you, I used to hit my brothers too, especially when they didn't do what I wanted them to do. Him. What? You did? Me. Yeah. And you know what else? Him. What? Me. It never made me feel better. It just hurt me and hurt them. Him. Oh. Me. Mommy made mistakes and still make mistakes. You know how mommy and daddy yell sometimes? Hmm. Yeah. Me. And it's okay to make mistakes, but it's important to learn from it and try again, okay? Him. Yeah, I got it. Wow, can you be this vulnerable with your children? If you can be this vulnerable with your children, you will win the best parent trophy of lifetime. And this is so powerful. You know why? By sharing your struggles and mistakes, it teaches them that everybody struggles and it's okay. And by sharing your struggles and mistakes, it teaches them that you will learn and survive. And by sharing your struggles and mistakes, it teaches them that you can understand and accept them even when they come to you for help at their low points. And by sharing your struggles and mistakes, you place yourself as a fellow struggling sinner and avoid being a Pharisee or insecure and unqualified judge. It's kind of like oxymoron, right? You're supposed to be a good role model. And we think that role model have to be perfect and something to model after by, right? Never mind the fact that our kids already see our flaws and they know that we're messed up human beings. They're just really nice to not even tell us to our face. You know, other than that, it, we're not perfect and our kids know it. Us not admitting our mistakes and sharing vulnerabilities, it actually robs them of having a home. And what I mean by that is that now the family dynamic, if nobody's admitting their mistakes and sharing that they're not perfect then they have a very high standard of, oh, if they're acting like they don't have mistakes, then I have to act like I don't have mistakes and I cannot make mistakes. So instead, if you share your mistakes, then it's very normalized to be a human being and they feel comfortable to share their mistakes and come clean with what they messed up with. So in summaries like this, if I just put my older kid at timeout for hitting his brother, he will have unanswered questions and uncertainties about his intention to play with his brother and emotions of feeling hurt because younger brother rejected him. Then it's left to him to decide what to do with it. He can now suppress his desire to play with his brother or deny his feelings, or he will just hold that sense of being misunderstood, sense of injustice and rejection. And believe me, it will blow up at one point right? So either he's going to deny himself and his emotions and intentions and say he's a bad boy, or he's going to hold it all in and it's going to blow up with hot steam. But what if I decided to be a parent, an adult in this relationship, and take that off his shoulders? He didn't need to figure that out. 
by himself? What if I guided him to recognize and celebrate his heart, character, personality, intentions, emotions, and give him an out and other options to try again in a different way? What if I decided to prioritize giving him a safe place to be freely himself, rather than fixing him immediately? What if I decided to let him know that he belongs right here, no matter what he does or don't do, because we're all messed up, instead of shaming him for one well-intended but mis-executed mistake? And I know that you're kind of sitting back, like, "Whoa, I didn't even think about it this way." And you might be asking, "How does Dr. Kim know all this?" Okay, <laughs> and it's not because I got perfect human parenting, but I'm learning to be parented again by God. I'm realizing how well-intended parents miss the point of parenting, and just by unlearning things that I learned and practicing all of this that I'm sharing with you in my private practice to myself and to my children and my husband, I'm realizing that this is. It and my prayer for you is for us to understand that insecure perfectionism kills souls, but secure humility saves lives. And I really hope that this hit home for you, and it resonated with you. That it provided you some kind of healing in your childhood, how you are parented, so that you can pass on the grace to others around you. I hope this helped. And I'll see you in the next episode.